Welcome to the Servants Feast Christian Ministry Podcast with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Call to Scent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Scent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast. All right, greetings and welcome. I want to thank you for joining in today. Uh, I hope you have everything ready for your Christmas. I admit I do not, but that's not actually all that unusual uh, in my life because I am given to running behind. Today I want us to stop for a minute, though, and talk about the Incarnation, to think about it a little bit, about what it means for how we live our lives today and for how we approach daily life, um, the Incarnation of God in Jesus Christ. To do so, let's begin with a word of prayer. We need to do that. Hear my prayer, Heavenly Father. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in Jesus Christ and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, you know, Christmas is a stressful time of year for a lot of people, um, I think for many of us. Um, For those who have had bad memories or losses or difficult times, uh, Christmas can be especially difficult, but um, it's also stressful for people who are looking for it optimistically and they're, they're excited about it because there are so many demands on us. There's so many expectations attached to Christmas. Uh, <laughs> you know, all the decorating, all the gift giving, all the keeping of the family traditions, the parties or the gatherings or whatever. And uh, mine is wrapping packages. I'm like, okay, let's just all do sacks. Why don't we do bags, Christmas bags this year? Um, if we pause and we think for a second about last year, if we look back to last year, when we were still under lockdown, um, we're not supposed to travel, we were not supposed to gather with family and friends, we were supposed to be alone during the Christmas season and make sure we don't spread COVID or whatever. I got to tell you, I think the demands of the Christmas season this year don't seem all that bad. Um, I may, I may, you know, wrap the packages instead of using bags. But I got to tell you, I think it's a lot better to be able to see one another than it is to be stuck at home and uh, not be able to travel, not be able to um, see family and friends. But still, you know, uh, if, if we just set Christmas aside entirely for the moment, we could say that it is true that there are many people in our nation today who are... Um, on edge, that who are tired, who are stressed, who are worried about things going on in our in our nation. And, uh, I saw a poll that was done earlier this month, and um, 
it was on some statistics site or whatever, and um, over half the people in our nation the, uh, that they polled, over half the people in the nation today think that 2021 was the worst year of their lives. Wow, that's kind of amazing. It appears also that the younger a person is, the more negatively he or she perceives uh, their circumstances or the quality of the year that they just lived through. And, and I think that's kind of interesting. I think that the last year was kind of inconvenient in a lot of ways. I thought it was inconvenient. But uh, I'm not sure I'd classify the year as all that bad, all things considered. I, I don't think I would. Um, but then again, I didn't fall in the younger crowd. I, when they poll me, they now put me in the elderly crowd, not in the young people range. That was kind of insulting because I know just, I was like 26 last week. All right. Um I have to say, for all these people out there who think this this is awful, I think a broader perspective might be helpful, right? Maybe it's just you don't have enough years to compare it to, to go, wow, you know, this wasn't a bad year. It wasn't that bad. Um, but, you know, uh, human beings have lived through a lot over time. They've suffered through quite a bit, and they are much more resilient than, than we give ourselves credit for being, certainly today. Uh, we're kind of a pampered crowd, and I think that's true of all of us in the United States. But all in all, I think that there are, are indeed things going on in our world that um, about which we rightly ought to be concerned in some degree. Let's just run down a list real quick. If we're going to talk about the incarnation today and the power of the incarnation for our lives today, I think that we let's take a look at what we're living in the middle of and what it is that has, has people afraid and concerned. Um Let's take China, for example. Let's start with China. China is over there saber-rattling. Um, they are um, already into India in some degree, not very far, but they're working their way into India. They are uh, threatening Taiwan every time Taiwan, the Taiwanese turn around. Japan's over there, you know, I mean, not Japan, excuse me, China is over there trying to scare the bejeebers out of them. I don't know how serious they are because I'm not a, a, an authority on foreign affairs, but I do know that... Um, that they're making noises over there to try to scare the people around them to to um, maybe expand China's borders. I don't know. At the same time, Russia's doing pretty much the same thing where they are. They are pushing westward. They're they're they've got their military buildup going on along their western border. And speaking of borders, I think we can talk about our own. We don't appear to have one. I mean, I live in Texas, and I think that we have enough people here right now. Uh, there are a flood of people that continue to come uh, and to enter the southern border illegally. And I realize I'm not supposed to say that, but that is true. It is illegal. You can't just walk right in here. But apparently you can now just walk right in. Now, the majority of these people are coming from Mexico and from Central America. But there are others coming, too. I don't know how aware we are of that. Uh, there are others coming into our nation. A lot of them are hostile. They come from nations that are hostile to the United States. Um, additionally, we have a large percentage of the people who are coming across, not a large, let me correct that, my mistake, a small percentage of the people who are coming across that are criminals, okay? Um, well, technically, everybody who comes across illegally is committing a criminal act, but if we set that aside and say, well, you know, that's not like, um, say, murder or rape or whatever, um, Let's say there's a very small percentage. Only 2% of the people who come across the border are hardened criminals, serious criminals, violent criminals. Only 2%. They deal drugs, they traffic humans, whatever. Um, if there's only 2% out of that, they're expecting 2 million people to come across the border in a 12-month period. That would be 40,000 serious criminals, felons, coming into our country. I think that's... Kind of unnerving when you think about it. 
How many of y'all have noticed inflation? There's a lot of inflation going on now, isn't there? Um, it's soaring right now. It's been it's, it's higher than it's been, I think, since Jimmy Carter. Um, and it, and there's it. I don't see any reason for it to uh, to to slow down. There's nothing to. There's no cap on inflation. Uh, we continue policies that we're going to increase uh, inflation. Do y'all remember the ga- the gas lines? For all the young people who are complaining about how bad. Um, 2021 was or who think that 2021 was a bad year they ought to remember the late 70s when there were gas lines and you had to wait hours you know to get gas and they were limited on how much gas you could get and um you know yeah we're experiencing shortages i'm at the grocery store every time i go to the grocery store anymore um there's always food missing somewhere not necessarily food that i need but i in my entire life i've never seen ongoing shortages of food in the grocery store never I mean, you know, hurricanes or whatever, we run out of food. But, I mean, every time I go, there are empty spaces. I took video one the other day. I was just like, look at this. There's this whole section of food that's just gone. There's no food there. They have blank, blank shelves, empty shelves. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think we're fixing to go hungry. I don't think that's fixing to be a big problem. And, and a few of us could do with less food, that's for sure. But I have, I think we can have plenty of food, but... We're going to have limited choices of food, and I've never seen that, not in the United States. I find that a bit disconcerting, don't you? Um, <laughs> my aunt lived through the Depression. Speaking of bad years, uh, my aunt lived through the Depression. She's deceased now, but she remembered it very well, and um, she bought... She always had excess food. If, if green beans were on sale, for example, she would have like 10 cans of green beans that she bought. She always had excess paper towels or excess toilet paper or excess, you know, cleaning supplies. or excess. She had excess everything. She always had additional supplies because she had lived through the, through the Depression and she was not going to run out of food. She was not, that was not going to happen. So she kept everything stocked. You know, part of the problem that we're having, I think, is that people are not working, and that's not good for a, for any nation. So the people not to work that 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 just doesn't that's not helpful to any human being not to work, right? You know, they don't have to work, so they stay at home because we're they they I don't know we have benefits so that people don't have to work; they can stay at home. Um, I don't, that's amazing to me. So if you don't have workers, if you don't have people going to work, and 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 taking stuff off ships or if you don't have people who are driving trucks and, and delivering stuff you don't have delivery people if you don't have people working at airports or whatever you you know um then you're not going to have the supplies that you need when you need them and it boggles the mind that we have people that are not working and we don't have enough supplies and we're running up it's just compounding one of the things I really hate to see, I think, in our society today is the intentional fostering of distrust between the races. You know, we're being segregated by race again. And uh, I thought it was bad, you know, it was bad when pi- white people separated, you know, segregated. And, and that was before my time, oh, mostly before my time. I remember when schools were integrated. I was in the fourth grade. But um, it was bad when white people segregated, uh, you know, um, the nation by color or by race. And it's bad now. It's not good for us to be that way. It's not even necessary. This is the most diverse nation in the world. We have a high rate of interracial marriage, which is, um, you know, who's, why are we doing that to those people? You need to decide whether or not you're white or you're black or whether you're Hispanic or Asian because, you know, you can't go to both sides of the family because we're, we're divided racially. That's just, this is just a bad idea all the way around. And um, I, I, it's not necessary. 
I'm trying to figure out who is benefiting from all this division and this distrust. Why is this? To whose advantage is it to create a bunch of distrust and division where it doesn't exist or where it didn't exist? I don't know why we're doing that. And I'm not going to talk about COVID. I could bring that up, but I'm not going to talk about that. Opinions about COVID and about vaccines and about mandates are just invitations for an argument. That's all it is. That's all, you know, there's a great deal of conflicting data from different sources depending on, oh my goodness gracious, I uh, I got bigger concerns than COVID in life. Honestly, I really do. There are people terrified of that, and I'm not one of those, and I don't think you ought to be. But um, as far as it goes, I'm not going to get into discussion about what it is or, or whether we ought to be doing mandates or vaccines or anything else because too many people disagree on that particular topic. I will say to you, though, that one of my big concerns is the issue of freedom of speech and freedom to worship. There is um, increasing pressure to restrict what Christians can say and do. Um, the cultural voice of Christianity is anti-Christianity. The cultural voice, I guess, um, let me say that correctly, the cultural voice in our society today is anti-Christianity, right? Uh, the woke cancel culture is going to restrict our speech um, in some degree, religious speech for sure. In some degree, it already has. And I'm not sure people... Uh, People, the average person on the street, I'm not sure that they are anti-Christian, but I do think societal leaders, people like in the academy or in universities, politicians, people in the media, I think these people are anti-Christian. And um, they would like to see Christianity and Christians marginalized or restricted in some degree. And um, I find that to be unnerving a bit. Been, there's been an ongoing decline in Christian in Christianity and in, in religious belief in general in the United States, but in Christianity in particular. We're now down to about 63%, which is an enormous drop in the last 30 years. From a high of 92% at some point, like in the 80s or 90s, I can't remember exactly. Anyway, in the late 20th century, 30 years. I mean, I don't know, ago, we had been down 30, we're down 30 points. That's an enormous drop. This is just a list of some of the things that are going on in our world today. And it's enough to cause concern to people, I think. I could go on, but really, why bother? I think that um, my, I've made my point. There's a lot of things that are about, you know, that are going on about which we should be concerned, at least. But if all these things are going on, I want us to listen again to the angel's proclamation, what the angel had to say. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company, the heavenly host, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the, war, when the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Y'all, that is good news. The world was bad when Jesus was born. The world has always been bad. That's what, that's what sin is. 
there have always been people who hungered for power. There have always been people who have been greedy and um, who have who have who've lusted and taken advantage of others. There have always been people who have um, hated and stolen and destroyed and killed. A tiny baby born to a young teenage girl in the backwaters of Judea changed the course of human history. You know, the salvation and redemption of the whole of creation began with the birth of the baby, the Son of God, the Son of Mary. Nations have come and gone. You know, powerful armies have conquered and then faded into nothingness. Empires have risen and fallen. Wars have been fought. Wealth has been gained and wealth has been lost. You know, and still the salvation and the redemption that began when God became a man, born of a virgin, that salvation and redemption continue even to this day to you and to me. I don't know about y'all. When I read the news or when I listen to podcasts or watch videos or whatever, I always think in the back of my mind, all, all the time in the back of my mind, um, do these people not realize that they too will die one day? I mean, that like that their time is limited? I mean, just how much power or money, for example, does a dead person need? I don't, you know, I don't know. It doesn't matter if we're talking uh, who, who if we're it doesn't matter if we're talking about the United States, right? It doesn't really matter. We could be talking about Biden or Trump or Obama or Bush. I'm not talking. About, you know, for that matter, you could talk about the wealth that is amassed by, say, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg, George Soros. That man's 91 years old. I think he ought to straighten up and fly right. I'd be a little concerned at 91 to be as is a he's kind of scary but anyway elon musk think of all the different people who who have these huge fortunes if you if we look abroad take a look at um uh xi jinping or vladimir putin or whoever eventually all of those men will come to nothing they will leave behind a legacy of good or of evil and the one who will measure that legacy is not going to be any of them it's not even going to be you or I. We don't get to say that. The one who measures the good or evil in every human being is the baby that was born to Mary. That's an important thing for us to remember. All the people who feel that they are so important and have so much power and so much influence, the one who measures the good and evil, the legacy that they're going to leave behind, who measures the value of that, is the baby that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago. Of what do we have to be afraid? Of what? If somebody breaks down my door, I'd be afraid, right? But of governments, of nations, of wealthy people, these these things do not matter. We need to understand they do not matter. Our, our, our huge, enormous concerns about what's going to happen here and and how these what, what what people are doing and how they're going to destroy this, that, and the other. No, no, they're not stronger than God, and they they think they are, but they're not. And He allows things to go on, but. You know, human beings live and die every day. And when we abide in Jesus Christ, then life changes with death, but we still live. And we live better. We live more abundantly. We live more fully. You know, um, death is not the worst thing that happens to us. You know, we cannot say who is good or bad. Because compared to Jesus Christ, who among us can claim to be good at all? And so... When I, when I think about all these people who are so important and stuff, I, I, can't, I can't get worried about it. They're not, they're not more important than God. They're not stronger than God. They're not bigger than God. They may be allowed to run free for a while, but in the end, they're going to amount to nothing. And you need to know that to the bottom of your heart. 
And what I do know is this. No matter how hard governments or leaders have tried, no one has ever been able to destroy Christianity. And they cannot do it today either. Because you cannot destroy that which is true. Truth can be denied, but it cannot be destroyed. You know, eventually the truth surfaces. You see that in the crucifixion and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. (laughs) You can't keep a good man down. What can I say? Following his ignominious death, Jesus appeared to just a very few by comparison to the whole world population. And from that few, salvation spread across the earth. There is not one person alive today who will match the impact or the accomplishments of those simple people who followed Jesus, who took the good news of God's salvation to the ancient world, right? So I think the question for us today is this. As you look at the incarnation, how are you going to live the incarnation? And what does the incarnation mean for you? Just how much of yourself is prepared to follow Jesus Christ to wherever he wants to lead? And how much of yourself is prepared, is seeking some sort of solution from governments or from politicians or from movements here on the, on the planet? I can promise you that we make a mistake if we think that any of these people can defeat Jesus Christ because they cannot. They can destroy the nation. And I know that there's some forces out there who are actively seeking to destroy the nation. But we are Christians first. You know, Americans second. You know, America, we want, I, I want, I want America to make it. I got to tell you that. I really, I want America to make it. I think it's a great nation. I really do. And um, I'm tired of all the qualifications about, oh, yes, we had mistakes in the past. We have, well, you know what? We didn't have any more mistakes than any, any more mistakes than any other nation out there. And I'm tired of, you know, beating on America all the time. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do all that. There is no other nation like it in the history of the world, really. You know, we are unbelievably fortunate to have been born here. But Christian life and faith do not depend upon the existence of an American republic. They do not. You know, if we would take God more seriously, if we would accept what he says is true and trust in him, okay, I think we'd be astonished at what God could do and what he would do among us. The question is, you know, like how much of yourself are you prepared to give to follow Jesus Christ to wherever? Okay, and how much of it do you want some sort of solution from governments or from politicians? From, I don't know. We need to understand that God does not take on our projects. He invites us to join his projects, what he is doing. And if we accepted our adoption as children of God, if we were filled with the life of the Holy Spirit, I want you to imagine what the possibilities would be for our Father what he might be able to accomplish. Because God is limited only by human freedom. And therefore, if we expect very little from God, then we're going to receive very little from God. We say, why doesn't God come fix everything? Well, maybe he's waiting for you to say, oh, I expect you to do great things in and through me. And if you expect God to do great things in and through you, God's going to do great things in and through you. That's how it works. I think it's exciting. I think it's wonderful. You know, when the angel appeared to and, and God's glory shone on the angels, they were terrified. And I think we as Christians could do with a little bit of terror this day or these days. I don't think it would hurt us at all. We need to remember that God is mighty, that our God is capable and able to do far more than we can imagine. And in him, we are more than conquerors. Isn't that what Paul said? Didn't he write that? We follow the God who made the heavens and the earth. We were born into him through our baptism and through our chrismation, being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And that means that the power of God, the grace and the generosity and the goodness of God, the wisdom of our, our Creator, all of all that exists, that dwells in us. It has been given to you in some measure that you are whatever you're willing to, to receive. You know, and we, you know, it's been given to you as much as you are willing to take. As you, you know, how much, you, how much, of, how much of you are going to let, are you going to let God have? How much do you want God to fill you? You know, that's what I mean that we need to be, when we talk about being born of God, that he is granting us part of his life, you know, some degree. And that's what I mean when I say we need to take God seriously, because if he created the heavens and the earth, he is not the least bit intimidated by some billionaire wandering around our planet thinking he knows more than God. He doesn't. And, you know, I don't think we should be afraid of them. And the religious leaders of the time could not stop the tiny baby. Their effort to kill him was thwarted. There was great suffering in the wake of that, but they didn't succeed in killing the Son of God. The might of the Roman Empire could not destroy Jesus Christ. Not even death could hold him. I mean, think about that. Not even death could hold him. We have every reason for joy in our lives right now. We have every cause for hope. But we also have every need to love a broken and lost world, to be, a, to be bearers of light to that world. You know, I think we need to follow G, the shepherds to Bethlehem to see what God has done. I think we need to do that in our lives today now. In some, it, follow them to Bethlehem and see what God has done when he became incarnate. Do not be afraid. Everything that we need can be found in that manger. So go and kneel before the King of Kings. Know that whatever we see when we look around in our world today fades. It fades away before the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord shines from that stable way back then all the way to today and even onward farther and further into the future. The eternal glory of God is in the baby whose birth we celebrate, the eternal glory of God. So I pray that his glory, will shine, his glory will shine on you this Christmas so that you'll be filled with the peace that passes all understanding so that you will know and be filled with the great joy of the good news. We have a Savior. He's been born to us. Let us pray. <laughs> Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory shining all around us. Send your Spirit to lead us to you and to make the good news of your birth fresh and new in us. Grant us trust in you and teach us to abide in you and live in your love so that our salvation may be a light to the world and your name be glorified through us. These things we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm sorry, the kids from outside are ringing the doorbell. I'm sorry, I don't normally laugh in the middle of prayers, but that was kind of cute. So anyway, um, they want candy. I believe I'm going to go give them candy. It's uh, one of my favorite things to do with the little kids next door. In the meantime, I pray that you will remember that a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. He's come for you. Good news of great joy. You have a Merry Christmas now. You hear? You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. 
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.